0: I'm going to start reading from the Second Chronicles, where it says All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Haman, Jedithan, and their sons and relatives, stood at the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen, playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices. In praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. He is good, His love endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. It's the most amazing scene, isn't it? It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole of Scripture. It's sensitive. And worship and worship and then the cloud, the glory, the presence of God descending to be with his people. Because he can't he can't stay away. He can't stay away. When God sees our hearts given wholeheartedly to him, He he just He's just drawn close to us. He just wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. He's desiring worshipers. And when we have those worshippers, He draws really close. What, what is it about worshipping community or, if I can go slightly aside to that, community singing? Um, we've all seen examples of this. Um, do you remember Messiah from scratch? Let's get 200 people together who don't know each other and we're going to sing a piece of music. And suddenly, those 200 people become a choir. Choirs, choirs of all sorts. If I said... Welsh male voice choir, immediately, what's the image in your head? Just a group of people who are together doing something. Community singing, community singing of any sort. Um, I remember when we used to uh, have our season tickets to London Irish, and we'd go on a Sunday afternoon, and we'd all sing the fields of the And it was just, just the most extraordinary thing. Um, what, what do all these things have in common? What is it about when we get together and we sing? I know worship isn't limited to singing, but what what happens to these things? Well, I think there are two parts to it that are relevant to our topic this morning. And the first is the object of our worship or what we are celebrating. When we come together, we are focused on one person in our case. We are focused on our Lord, on God. And on worshipping him. And that is what brings us together. Uh, however we are. However different we are. We come together. Because of the object of our worship. And there is also this, this sense. Of being part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Imagine in the dedication of the temple. One guy turned up early with his trumpet. And he's playing his trumpet, <laughs> he's thinking, yeah, well, this is all very well, but I do feel a bit on my own. And then the other 119 turned up, yeah? And then the priests, and then the cymbals, and the harps, and everybody else. And there was this sense of, we are part of something bigger than us. And when we are in corporate worship, that's, that's the same thing. We are caught up in something. Paul touched on it this morning that actually only when we are together corporately do we, do we relate to God in that way. There is something about being together. I don't know if you remember lockdown in 2020. I'm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. What was, what was the thing that you struggled most in lockdown? It was isolation, wasn't it? It was being on our own. And, and Sunday morning, in our lounge, looking at the little screen and seeing all these other people in their little boxes, all isolated. Yeah? It wasn't great, was it? I mean, it was better than not doing it. But And, and what was the biggest struggle for me throughout lockdown? It was worship. It was worship. I mean, there was, there was Tina in her, in her lounge, playing away, worshipping, and inviting us to join her. And we did, to a degree. But there was that sense of separation, wasn't there? And also, I couldn't hear anybody else. I was just loving standing here this morning, worshipping and hearing the voices around us. It's fantastic, isn't it? Just fantastic. All those different voices. Some in tune, some not in tune. but It's just that sense of being together and being part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And this is, this is actually what, I, what I've been toying with this week. I'm calling this shared intimacy, which is a a very odd concept, but we'll come back to that a little bit later. Together, being part of something bigger than ourselves, and yet individually expressing intimacy to God. It's a bit of a strange thing, isn't it? So, next. Psalm 42, which Andy's chosen for us for this morning, is uh, it's an interesting psalm. It, it's, it's not a whole psalm. It should be read with 43, but I haven't spoken to Andy about that yet. We're just looking at 42 this morning. I'm going to read it because I think it's, it's just worth reading, isn't it? It's always good to hear it. I should really sing it, but um, no, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitudes leading the procession to the house of the God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. Among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is Your God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Now, the Psalms are a completely different sort of writing to Paul's letters. Completely different. And I think as we approach the Psalms in this series, it's really important to remember that. If I could put it this way, the Bible is not flat. It's not flat, and we need to understand the different types of literature and writing there are in the Scripture in order that we don't get disappointed, or that we don't misinterpret or misread stuff. So there's a great structure to this uh, Psalm, which I'm just going to talk you through, and that'll make you think, oh, so it is like... It is like one of Paul's letters, very structured and clear in its direction. But um, stay with me, stay with me. Psalm starts with this desire for intimacy. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And I just want to be really authentic this morning and say, that's not where I am at the moment. That's not where I am. I do not have within me today a passionate desire after God there's all sorts of various reasons for that the beauty of the Psalms is that that's how the psalmist works and the Psalms are an expression of where people are and an invitation to relate to them yeah? but if you don't feel that you're like a deer panting for streams of water that is okay it really is okay doesn't make you less of a Christian, doesn't mean you're in sin, doesn't mean you've missed the boat. It's just where you are. And I think as Andy pointed out so well last week, being authentic is such an important part of our expression of who we are in God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And this cry that comes out again and again and again in this psalm, where is your God? Where is your God? And I think sometimes we're a little bit embarrassed about asking that question, where are you, Lord? Because we should know by now. Most of us have been on this journey some time. We really ought to know the answer to that. But sometimes it feels like we don't. And that is perfectly okay. So the psalm starts with this desire for intimacy. And then out of the question he's asking, I'm calling memories of past fellowship, he's remembering He's remembering some good times. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. And one of the reasons why I've, I've brought a paper Bible with me this morning is that my version of the NIV on my phone has actually lost this verse. They've lost the reference to going with the multitudes. Now, I'm not Beginning to explore this morning the intricacies of translation from the Hebrew and where it's gone. I'm just going with the old version that I like. Which is perfectly okay. Find a version you like and stick with it, yeah? Because he's remembering community. He's remembering community. He's on his own in this psalm. Yeah, my tears have been my meat day and night while they daily say to me, where is your God? And he's, ah, but I remember. I remember the times. I remember the times of corporate worship. And actually that is encouraging him. That's encouraging the psalmist here in his time of difficulty. And then the psalm goes on, or possibly goes back, to lament. And we will be touching on lament later in this series. My soul is downcast within me. Well, actually, I can relate to that at the moment. My soul is quite downcast at the moment. And guess what? It's okay, yes. It's okay. It's okay. We know our God is faithful, our God is with us. And we will come through these times. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. It's possible... That the guy writing this psalm was in exile and was some distance away from Jerusalem. And maybe that's part of the reason why he felt downcast. But he's remembering the good times, he's remembering corporate worship, and he's remembering his home, his spiritual home, Hermon, Mizar, the land of the Jordan. Now Jordan also speaks of abundance and water. He goes on to talk about that in a minute. But there is that sense in which in his downcast state, he's remembering the good times. He's remembering past intimacy, those times when he was really, really close to God and when he related to him. And then he goes on, or back, to present lament and hope. The point I'm trying to make here is that there's a structure that isn't really a structure here. Yeah, we can analyze the psalm, but we end up just going round and round in circles. Why? Because it's not intended to be a story, sorry, not a piece of teaching in how we get from A to B. This is not a developing theological thought that starts here and finishes there. This is the psalmist pouring out his heart to God. And guess what? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There isn't a lot of logic there. He's just expressing where he is with God. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay. Because that's what the psalm is. I love this quote from Andy last week. The psalms are a passionate record of a person's response to God given their situation and circumstances at the time. That's what they are. That's what they are. And can we relate to this? Well, some of it we can, and some of it we can't. It's not teaching. It is an invitation to explore the depths of God. And that's, that's why I think, one of the reasons I was saying to John earlier, the Psalms are pretty much my go-to in the scripture. If I don't know what to read, I'm going to read a psalm. I love the psalms. I love the variety that's there. And I love the fact that if you start at verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Hmm. Not really. Guess what? I'm going to read on. (laughs) I'm going to find a bit in here that I can relate to. And that's going to be my starting point. Because God can only ever start with us where we are, not where we'd like to be. Where we are. And that doesn't disqualify you from reading the psalm, because the first verse isn't an expression of where you are. In fact, nothing disqualifies you anyway. I think we're all clear on that. So find something you like and start there. Let that begin to speak to you. Psalms are a passionate record of a person's response to God given their situation and circumstances at the time. So, a community of worship or a worshipping community. What does that that mean, to be part of a a worshipping community? I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. But but that's not all of it. Because if worship is life, then community is about how we live together and how we are with each other all the time. It's not that we're standing next to each other with our arms in the air, worshipping God, and then we leave the meeting without actually saying hello to the person next to us. Or actually inquiring of them, how are you? Is your soul downcast within you? Let's not use those terms, but let's um, pick up the concept. Is your soul downcast this morning, Paul? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Probably. So the worshipping community is about how we are together all the time. Yeah? Yeah? If we're not allowed to have a time of worship in our meetings anymore, I'm not entirely sure what vocabulary we're going to use. Um, Because we have isolated worship and made it somehow a little bit special and separate from everything else, which isn't that helpful, but vocabulary doesn't help us with this. The point is about being together is that we are here for each other. So when the question comes, where is your God?, Three times in this psalm, where is your God? We need people around us to help us find the answer. We need to be able to go to people and say, I'm struggling with this. Help me find the answer. That is worshipping community. When God seems dissident, the psalmist is hundreds of miles away from from Mount Hermon, hundreds of miles away from the Jordan. When God seems distant, when the familiar things seem distant... We need others around us to help us find his presence again. That is worshipping community. When we need to tell our soul, put your hope in him, we do need to say, I might be downcast, but I'm not going to stay that way. I need to talk to my soul and say, put your hope in him. And when we're in that situation, we need others around us to help us, to strengthen our resolve, to encourage us. Yes, Nigel. Seek God. Put your hope in him. Don't allow yourself to stay downcast. To remind us that worship is for God. And not for us. It's not for us. It's not about whether we enjoyed the time of worship. Or I got a lot out of it. No. No, we have to turn that completely around. Give ourselves to God in worship. And encourage one another. And when we need to choose... To offer up our worship, we need others around us. Andy mentioned Romans 12 verse 1 last week. And there's the word used. Remember, it talks about your acceptable or your logical or your spiritual worship. The word latrian there used for worship is also a word for service. In fact, a worship service is a tautology. It's just the same word twice. I wasn't sure if you, you were a tautology yet. Just try. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a private joke. Sorry about that. Um, worship and service are completely wrapped up in one another. And this is our, our spiritual service, our spiritual worship, our act. Yeah? Worship is service. Now we I came out of an Anglican church that used to have service on a Sunday morning. And in the new churches, we used the word meeting, partly just to express the fact that we weren't where we'd been previously. Also, a service was something that you took your car to the garage for. So it didn't didn't really have a lot of meaning for us. But the problem with meeting is a meeting can be quite... uh, void of emotion or depth, it's just a meeting. Now if we're meeting with God, then okay, but again the word meeting has got so many other possible meanings around it, we lose something there again. If we talk about our service, it reminds ourselves that we're here to offer our service to God. It's not about me getting serviced or filled up or repaired in any way, it's about our service to God. So I wonder if in the desire to be different, we may have lost a little something along the way. And this word, letran, Romans 12.1, worship service, I think can be, can be a key to it. If worship isn't service, it's just music. If worship isn't service, it's just music. Just mu- Music. That's the last one. Fantastic. I'll leave that up. Final thought. The 1662 wedding service has this phrase in it. With this ring, I thee wed. With my body, I thee worship. And with all my worldly goods, I thee endow. With my body, I thee worship. I think... When that appears in the wedding service, the groom is talking about more than just singing. Maybe. Just just a thought. Just a thought. And the 1662 service, same time as the King James Bible. So we can see what the word worship had within it at that point that I think we may have lost out on the way. Our worship to God is our whole self. It is absolutely nothing held back, a complete giving of ourselves. And that's why I said at the beginning, community worship is an interesting mixture. Because community intimacy doesn't doesn't really work. But both ideas are here in the scripture. That together we worship God. Together we realize that we are much more than just an individual, the sum of the parts. But at the same time, individually, there is an intimacy in our opening ourselves up to God, in our giving ourselves to him completely, in our authenticity, and as we hold nothing back from him, that pleases him. And in the end, that is what we're about, pleasing him.